step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio on ESPN 1025 game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and producer Jared Cassidy taking care of us behind the glass. Kenny is on double duty. He is working in the SC game. First of all, go Nashville SC. We appreciate you listening to us and also watching the SC game. You're, do, you're doing everything. You're multitasking because you're a great, fantastic audience. But really excited to work with Jared tonight. I've heard many great things about him. I've seen him on Twitter and everything, but... Um, I'm really excited to be working with nice you, man. Night. This, We're this, glad to be here with you. It's fun. Glad let's to have you, man. Yeah, let, let's let's do it. Let's do it. So we have a fun show tonight because we have a visitor in studio that we're going to talk to next segment. Danielle Denena is back from college, going to do a report on the Tennessee Ice Vols. What's going on there? I mean, we talked MTSU hockey last week. Might as well keep it in state and talk Ice Falls this week as well. Glad to have her back. And then Corey Masisic with the Athletic will come on to talk with the New Jersey Devils, not just about the New Jersey or hat that they're going, <laughs> that they're going to be wearing, but also helping us preview the upcoming matchup between the Preds and the Devils later this week. Uh, Glenn, it's Thanksgiving week. It is Thanksgiving week. Are you excited, Justin? I'm very excited. We have a little bit of travel coming Mm up, uh, going up to to Indiana. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So get this. I know we're going to talk hockey, folks. I want to talk hockey, but... We can also talk turkey. We can talk turkey. (laughs) But but to show the difference in terms of, like, expenses of cities... Okay. (laughs) Because it's one of those shocker things. Like, Nashville used to be this way, like, 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. in terms of hotel costs, but... We're going to be staying at this hotel in downtown Fort Wayne called the Bradley, and it is modeled after Veer Bradley. Like, it's all Veer Bradley stuff, cloth and everything inside. So it looks gorgeous. What? Rooftop bar and everything. Downtown, a downtown city, okay? Okay. It's just over $100 a night. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Whereas in Nashville, you know, it'd be like 350 or 400 right? cheaper one of her bags. Right? <laughs> and parking's only $14 a day. I'm like, what is going on? This is so cheap. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic! You know I'm gonna have to look just this shows, place up. That shows now. how much we're skewed here in Nashville. Just expect something to be over three hundred dollars if you're oh, downtown. Oh, and be dumbfounded. Yeah, I mean dumbfounded. Not. Anyways, the Nashville Predators <laughs> victorious, coming off of that road trip into Canada where they had one postponed and then just looked like poo poo in the first two periods against Montreal, and then Matt Duchesne showed up at least uh, to make it a little bit of something something. But they took care of business against the Ducks. It was a little sloppy early on but they got the win and that's what matters are wins and especially against an anaheim ducks team that is still one of those teams that has animosity it it was really funny in post game first of all ryan johansson's always really funny in post game Mm -hmm. but it's it's even better when he is set up so well by people like robbie stanley from the morning show here in 1025 and adam vingan who you just heard on preds insiders as well where he comes in he's like you still vibing robbie Oh, did he say that? He did. He did. I saw where Robbie Stanley posted his shirt again. Oh, said, yeah. Still vibing. Oh, yeah. And Adam Vingan has to still animosity. And Jane's like, <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. I love the spirit. It just it doesn't die against this it, team. It and does I love not. It. it does not die. But it was it was one of those games that obviously you know they wanted to win and it was sloppy at first, but. The role players that need to be showing up are showing up for this team, and then it's getting added on. You know, secondary scoring has been a little troublesome overall for the team, but when you have people like Ryan Johansson, Mikhail Gladland performing and scoring, and then Matt Duchesne, even though he didn't get on the score sheet, he still was firing the puck. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to see out of these guys is that they're putting the puck in the back of the net. They're taking opportunities, taking advantage of it as well. But the first thing is Ryan Johansson, who I know it's been discussed multiple times, on just like Matt Duchesne, is is looking more comfortable out there and looking like he's skating harder than he ever has and being involved in the plays. And not to say that he was ever, to me, lazy. It's just there seems to be a little extra oomph. Intensity is Intensity. the word that comes to mind for me. Yeah, yep. that we typically see in the playoffs exactly. quite often, but yep. we're seeing it more in the regular season, even though they're shifting line mates and everything. And it looks like he is energizing the people around him as well. And I think that's a good thing that it's changing up things because you have to become acclimated to change. Yeah. Instead of being comfortable in your surroundings. And I think that's what's been good with this team. I know it gets cliche to talk about mental toughness, which I know John Hines continues to focus on. But there is a type of mental fortitude that it takes to be able to come out and perform when your line mates are always changing. Mm-hmm. And that's what's been happening with Ryan Johansson so far this yep. season. It's the opposite of what we talk about when you, you go out there and you want to you want to get enough of a sample size to get chemistry, Right. right? And so there's a fine line. I think there's a balance that you have as a coach that you have to try to figure that out because you want you want the consistency and the chemistry. You want them to have time to develop that, but then also you don't want them to become dependent on their line mates. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Ryan Johansson, and as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, Matt Duchesne, I think it's, we're just seeing so much more of a well-rounded, just driven game between the two of them, and it's helping those around them who have been – trying to make the right moves do the right thing but just it's making those around them better and I think Mm -hmm. like we've talked about before the younger guys are making the older guys around them better and so we're just seeing more of a well-rounded game uh, between the two of them which is so exciting because it's it's a long time coming for your two top (laughs) paid players (laughs) when you're like well when are we gonna see it here we're seeing here we're seeing it and on that goal from Johansson in the first, just the creativity and the execution and passing from Yakov Trenin and Tanner Janot, mm-hmm. that was beautiful. It was very pretty. That was beautiful because you see it develop, and it's those kinds of things to where you have to have some sort of chemistry for that to happen, to just have a sense of where your teammate's going to be. Because that you quick? Yeah, know, that quickly yeah. to pull that off, that was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then, speaking of Yakov Trenin and gorgeous, his battle to maintain possession against Kevin Shattenkirk, where it's just a constant getting whacked at. Poked at, hooked, and everything going on, and being able to drive and finish that off to get the unassisted goal mm-hmm. <laughs> because of all that, but to get the game winner, Yakov Trenin, that was an intense battle from him, and we've seen that. And he finally is getting rewarded with it with a two point night with mm-hmm. a game winning goal like that too. But that's what you want to see out of a guy that's built like a tank. I mean, when he skates, it looks intimidating because he's kind of hunched over a little bit with the mm-hmm. way his shoulder pads go. And you're like, he's not going to stop, and, is he? Well, yeah. I mean, you think like he uses his body so well. I mean, things just bounce right off of him. It is very intimidating, um, but so fun to watch when he's on the team that you're pulling for. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the Russian train coming through. Choo-choo! <laughs> uh, but then going on to this as well is the power play. This has been something that's been discussed by so many analysts and Preds fans for so many years of the Preds power play being abysmal. Well, it's not right now. And we're seeing a good enough of a sample size to just say that it's it's good. I mean, the Preds power play, if it was the first three or four games, eh. 
But the Predators are 18 games into the season, and they have the they have the third overall power play, just 0.2 percent away from being number two overall. I mean, it's going to be really difficult to catch Edmonton at 39.6, but the Predators at 28.6 conversion for the power play is really good, and you can see a difference. You can totally see a difference in the way the power play is operating now because there's a little more creativity, a little more in the cross-ice passes, more opportunities shooting the puck, and also doing a good reset. And, yeah, you're getting some shots firing from the point from, like, Matias Ekholm or especially a Roman Yossi, but you're seeing guys position themselves much more better in terms of where they're going to go to pick up rebounds or to keep possession of the puck. We saw that multiple times last night on how they maintain possession even after a shot attempt and did not allow Anaheim to clear the puck out. That's what's key right there because you maintain possession, you're saving time because every time the puck gets cleared, it's 10 to 15 seconds wasted, maybe even more just to get that correct zone entry. So that's what I really like about the Preds power play is that they're setting up properly to where guys are in the right spots to maintain possession of the puck quickly whip it around and get a good shooting opportunity and you have your key power play role players producing on the power play and that's what's important for it right now absolutely it's the whole i think that we we talked about this ad nauseum (laughs) i think but it's you're starting to see i guess i hate to say the word buy-in but that's what we're seeing as a whole we're seeing the team buy into these systems that John Hines is finally getting implemented with a team that's comfortable with doing them, I think, is what we're right, seeing. Right. I mean, everyone out there has their own hockey IQ. They have their own hockey instincts. And there's, it's once again, it's a fine line of them trying to balance that and buying into a system that maybe in the moment they think, this might not be the best move, but I'm going I'm to go with it anyway. But we're not really seeing that. We're just seeing more of a smooth flow of effort out there we're seeing a hard driven effort out there and it's finally starting to pay off I mean I, th- I think they finally have listened to everyone over the last few seasons <laughs> talk about the power play is basically what we're saying is they finally <laughs> listen to all of us when you can see too, it's just different it's a different setup mm-hmm. finally uh, and it, you can tell it, it took a while to get that into place because the transition from coaching staffs I mean I'll say this again I don't know I've said before it was just last calendar year that John Hines started which Last is so year. weird. I mean, I know it was almost two years in January, but it's still 2020. Yeah. And he, this was his, and first, he his first, first training first camp. camp this year. Yeah. yeah. So to really implement these things, plus adding new coaches uh, as well coming in recently as well. So it's, it's really hard to count last season because it was so short and weird. And then they made that big push, but it just seems like just a blip yeah. <laughs> of everything that happened. But you're seeing the power play look very different because it's a completely different scheme that they have with there. And I like it. I, for one, like it. So lots of games coming for the National Predators before we move on. I mean, you have the Vegas Golden Knights coming to town. Uh, then you have a back-to-back starting with New Jersey in town. Then the Preds have to fly all the way over to Colorado on Saturday. So that's three games coming up in four days. Then they have Columbus next Tuesday. I mean, this is the compressed schedule that, yay, Olympics brings us. Uh, and then multiple back-to-backs coming up in this, three back-to-backs in December. Makes me tired. And then this, <laughs> so how weird is this though? I know we're looking far ahead in the schedule. There are two Sunday games and only one Saturday game. Oh, really? I am not used to the Predators not playing on Saturday. It always seems to be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Tuesday, Thursday. Yep. This is yep. a unique season again, as it's been for three years. It seems <laughs> we're starting to get used to the unique the season. Unique, but three Saturdays, one being Christmas, of course. But the eleventh and eighteenth, no Preds game on a Saturday. Yeah, that's weird. That that's Thursday, be Friday, very back weird. to back. It's very, it's very, very weird. Very weird. 
All right. Up next, let's talk college hockey. A reminder before we do that, remember the NCAA, it's the Smashville Women's Collegiate Hockey Showcase coming up this weekend at Fordyce Center over in Bellevue. NCAA teams are coming into play. There's a, there's a girls' hockey showcase going on. Great for the sport to have so many young women and, and NCAA women playing here in Nashville. So go out and support. You can find tickets on the Predators' website, Fordyce Center, uh, wherever you want to go there to get those tickets. Go out and support that. It's going to be a great event to take your young ones to. Great for the family. Okay, up next, let's talk some Tennessee Ice Falls. Yes, again, colleges in, in the South do have college hockey teams, and we have Daniel Donetta returning from Knoxville to give us an update on the UT Ice Falls. That's up next, Penalty Box Radio. ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5. The game, Justin Bradford and Blackwell. Producer Jared taking care of us behind the glass. I want to let the song breathe, and it's like, there it is. Okay, I just had to, had to get to the chorus. See? <laughs> Unlike Mr. Orion Porth, love you. We don't you know, like to rush it. We don't, like, we don't want to rush it. We don't want to rush it. I'll, I'll keep calling them out until I get corrected. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, joining us now, welcome back home for the holiday, Danielle Denetta, who is the, the Brinkside reporter for the UT Ice Vols. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad to be back here. It's been so long. I just want to know where my shrimp Alfredo is. Uh, you know what? <laughs> she ate I want to know where mine is. I don't <laughs> oh, know. Whoa, whoa. I was so tempted to bring you some, but then I was like, where do I get some that's good? Ten. That I only could get in like the half an hour that I had to get out here. Ten <laughs> years from now. When I'm a mother and have a full-time job, that is going to be the one thing that haunts me. <laughs> At my wedding, I will be getting married, and in my head, I'll be like, don't make an Alfredo joke. You're going to be serving it at funny. your wedding. For oh, the, absolutely. For those that don't know, Danielle, was it two years ago? Like in Roman Yossi at a shrimp Alfredo. We were comparing Pred's names to pastas, and in my head, it made complete sense, and it made sense to nobody else in this universe, not a single soul. <laughs> or we were to food, right? Yeah, just to food. Just to food. Just to you food. Were oh, it wasn't specific. even pasta. <laughs> no, but in your brain it was. Straight, to, straight it. to shrimp Alfredo. And she was so serious, and I love it. <laughs> so I, it makes so totally we're so happy to, to have me. her back. We're so happy Hello, to have everyone. you here. <laughs> Welcome back. You've been doing so much. It's been an interesting college experience for you, just starting off school during the pandemic, and then obviously UT being one of the only schools to actually have some games during that yep. full pandemic year, but right back at it now and looking at UT where they're at. I mean, they're in a really good spot being fourth overall in the Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, their SCCHC record, 6-2-1-1. One, one. Uh, they're tied in SEC points for, for second. I mean, so you have Florida Atlantic, MTSU. So two Tennessee schools, which is really cool to see, over a record of 8-7-1-1. One, one. Just what's the season been like overall for this team? Before we just dive into you more, give us a little bit on, on what the season's been like for this team. I know they've struggled with some injuries as well, but still to be in the position they're in has got to be pretty positive. There's so much chemistry with this team. We've relied a lot on, on the underclassmen this year to kind of come up and fill in for those injuries. Like you said, we're missing our top defensemen. We're missing some of our top line forwards, all due to unfortunate injuries. And not just little injuries, but painful injuries that, you know, freak accidents that come about. Oh. <laughs> so, what, like, did a crocodile get on the ice or something? Absolutely. Or? Okay. It was a pit bull. No, I'm just kidding. 
Um, but there's been a lot of chemistry <laughs> and the underclassmen that have stepped up to kind of fill in these shoes. And since the first game of the season, since this adversity has kind of taken over, there's been so much resilience. And looking at the team last year compared to this year, there's so much talent in the locker room this year. And there's so much time for them to shine still. And just looking at the growth that they've made both in the locker room and on the ice, it's been such a unique experience. So looking at this as well, too, and, and just my previous involvement with, with the conference and everything, too, and just seeing where UT's come along, it's grown so much in the past four years. Like, big-time growth in terms of recruiting and compete level and competitiveness to where, you know, the confidence is there, too, of, hey, they're saying to themselves, we're going to be a good hockey team. We are a great hockey team. What have you seen just in your two years so far? I know it's only halfway into your second year uh, and then halfway into like the first full season Mm -hmm. that that you're there as well, too. But what are you noticing about this group in terms of do these guys know each other? Do they all play in Nashville? What what parts of the country are they from and how has that helped them grow from that? Starting with that, with recruiting this year, we had 60 guys show up to camp. We have guys from New York. Wow. We have guys last year who came in from California. We have guys from Nashville, from Knoxville. There are guys from everywhere, and looking at camp, you have a few guys from Nashville and Knoxville that know each other, but there's every area of this country was represented at camp, and looking at our roster right now, there's Georgia, there's Tennessee, there's New York, there's Virginia, there's everywhere on this team, and looking at the talent, we have guys who came into this team playing juniors, playing triple A, and looking back two, three years ago when Tennessee couldn't win a game, to be able to recruit that much talent, that just goes to show how much the SECHC has grown, how much hockey in the South has grown. College hockey in the South, three or four years ago, if you would have brought it up to me, I would have laughed in your face. But looking at it now and looking at how serious these guys take it and how much they want to be on the ice and they want to be a part of this growth, it's insane. And I want to talk about the college experience as it relates to hockey. Justin and I have talked for years about just how unique the college experience and the college, the energy is at these games, even as opposed to the NHL games that we're so used to going to, there's something very unique and special about the energy at these college hockey games. So I just wanted to get your experience on that as a whole so far, and maybe how that differs from the games that you got accustomed to at Bridgestone Arena. If there's one word to describe games at the Knoxville Coliseum, it would be intense. There is a family atmosphere between the student section and the guys on the ice that I genuinely can't think of a word to describe. It's unique. It's intense. It is pure. The students, they want to be there. There are hundreds of students showing up to these games and looking, like I said, two years ago to now. In two years, hundreds of people have started showing up to these games. And if you've been to a Preds game, everyone listening, most of you have probably been to a Preds game. You know what it's like when everybody's on their feet in the final few minutes You know that energy, that vibe that everybody gets off of the ice. That's how it feels being in the Coliseum when Tennessee's up, when the student section is on their feet. It truly is an experience that if you haven't been to a game in Knoxville, you have to experience it. There's literally nothing like it. Even at other SEC schools, not to sound biased or anything, but a game (laughs) experience in Knoxville is something that you truly never forget. And Danielle Denena, ringside reporter for the UT Ice Falls, joining us right now in studio. Happy to have her back. And so let's let's talk about just one of the guys that's obviously done a lot for this team, whether it's being a leader in the team, uh, just off the ice, or a leader in the team on the ice in terms of production. Drew King has obviously done a lot for this team, and it, it takes on a lot of responsibility as well, mm-hmm. too. What is how how big of a piece has he been for this club? over the years just in terms of off ice and on the ice as well how much does he lead by example and, and lead on the ice and how much does he lead by example off the ice too 
Drew King is one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. He is the backbone of this organization. He is that person on the ice that the guys can come to, that we as staff can come to, and off the ice, he's a friend, he's a mentor. He's that person that you could call at midnight, hey, my tire is flat, will you come help me? That is Drew King. And when you're looking at his production on the ice, he's been on top of the scoreboard for every year he's been with the organization. And looking at the growth that the organization has seen off the ice, specifically in the last two years, that is all because of Drew King and Cameron Martz, VP of Marketing, my girl. She's done everything for this organization. Her and Drew and Ben Northern have worked so closely over the last two years to just grow everything. And it, I mean, it, words, words are hard to form when you think about it. They've done so much for this organization. And looking at Drew as a person, he is an 11 out of 10 person on and off the ice. They're really, there's no way to describe it. He's awesome. There you go, Drew. You just got to frame some of those quotes. You did. <laughs> you did, Drew. You owe me dinner. No, I'm just kidding. Love and you. Speaking of growth, you've been at this for a bit now. You're a sophomore now, and I know last year was far from normal, but you've gotten this experience under your belt. So I want to ask you personally something noteworthy that you have learned having done this for the length of time that you've done it so far. Teamwork. Teamwork. I know mm-hmm. going into college, I was very lucky to have a lot of experience that arrived out with you guys in Penalty Box Radio and kind of getting my foot in the door with the SEC. But coming to this Tennessee hockey team, if there's one thing that I've learned, it's that teamwork always wins. It's always important to merge minds with people and see other perspectives. And, you know, when you look at a student-run organization like Tennessee Hockey, you have to have people who are willing to put in the work and people who have the drive and the effort. And that's something that this organization has. And that's something that I feel like I personally have had in me, but this team has done nothing but motivate me to realize, hey, keep working, keep the teamwork going, keep the positive energy going, because that's all that you get out of this organization is that positive energy and that happiness and that drive to be there. Now I'm going to get in my feels asking you this because I have watched (laughs) you ask women this Mm -hmm. over the last few years and now I'm sitting here with you asking you this question and I (laughs) might get a little misty-eyed but if you have any advice to younger women who are interested in taking the same path who Mm -hmm. are sitting as a freshman or a sophomore in high school right now that are looking to their own college future and thinking that this is something that they want to do what is your advice to them Danielle? Go for it and never look back no matter what people tell you no matter what the criticism is go for it. Reach out to those people who you want to reach out to. It doesn't matter how famous they are, how much experience they have. They're a text away. They're a Twitter message away. That's how I met Justin. I messaged him on Twitter and said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to do this. And you took me under your belt. And here I am sitting in the studio with you guys. Just go for it. Be relentless. Pursue everything that you want to pursue. And at the end of the day, forget the criticism forget what people have to say about you. You're never going to make everybody happy. And that's something that I personally have had to learn in my time working in sports is that you're going to get haters. You're going to get people on Twitter who are going to yell at you, who are going to tell you, oh, your hair looks horrible in that interview. Oh, this looks bad. You don't know what you're talking about. Forget them. At the end of the day, if you have that ambition and you have that dream, there is a way to make it happen. And there is a support system. I know Glenn, Justin, you guys have your messages open. You took me under your belt through a message, which still I can't thank you for that. It blows my mind. <laughs> but reach out to people and make those connections and pursue it relentlessly, and you'll go somewhere. Well, those are fantastic words. And oh, another good yes. thing, too, that we know about Danielle, what's great and how you know she's going to have a great career ahead of her and whatever she decides to do is she doesn't take herself too seriously. 
I don't. I talk about Roman Yossi and Shrimp Alfredo <laughs> on ESPN. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 if anybody sees your videos on TikTok, they just know. You, you gotta, I know. <laughs> That's one of the million things I adore about you. Don't take you yourself too seriously. TikTok. Have fun and, and go forth. All right. Well, thank you, Danielle. Appreciate you joining thank us. Thank you very much. Yeah, good I to missed see you. it here. Absolutely. So remember, UT Ice Falls, they have plenty of home games coming up next semester or next calendar year <laughs> leading into the secht playoffs so make sure you check out uh them at icefallshockey.com they have their schedule up there you can find stats and everything as well too just find all the information and hey they might even be closer to nashville when they're playing that you might go see them in huntsville uh for the secht tournament coming up in march as well okay up next let's talk new jersey devils as the predators take on the devils here in nashville on friday Corey misisic of the athletic joining us up next penalty box radio espn 1025 the game And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here at ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer, Jared Taker, here was behind the glass. And now, let's talk New Jersey Devils. They had some news released today. We want to talk about more than just that, even though we will talk about that. Uh, but we have uh, Corey Masisak joining us from The Athletic. Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So... The New Jersey Devils is just one of those, obviously, now storied organizations in terms of the, the, the pressure that can be on them because of what they did before, and then now with the rebuild and, and getting some good young talent in there and then a good mix of veteran leadership, too. What is the state of the, the New Jersey Devils right now, uh, getting close to that quarter mark of the season and how people are, are looking at this team and evaluating them? Yeah, I mean, I think – Sort of the general theme this season was that they it was time to take like a real step forward in the standings. They've pretty much been rebuilding since 2015. Um, they had the one sort of blip forward um, where they made the playoffs on a kind of a surprising season, but really that didn't necessarily push the rebuilding process forward a whole lot. Um, so you know they get to this off season and obviously they they you know signed the biggest free agent on the market, Dougie Hamilton, and have some other young players that they expected to take, you know, steps forward. And so they're, they're just the goal was like, Hey, look, they don't want to be one of the worst teams in the league anymore. They want to at a minimum sort of be around the playoffs, maybe not be a seller at the trade deadline, actually play some meaningful games at the end of the year, and then go into next year with some real expectations. Um, I mean, it's been, it's been kind of a mixed bag. I mean, the most obvious thing is that Jack Hughes, who was you know either their best or second best player, got hurt in the fourth period of the season and hasn't played since. So the fact that they are still sort of hovering around, I think they're like a point out of the playoffs right now in the East, um, that they've done that without him um, has been you know relative relatively impressive. It's, it's been sort of, like I said, it's been probably a mixed bag just in terms of like it doesn't always look great, but they've been getting some getting to just sort of collecting some as many points as they can and just sort of waiting for Jack to come back. Yeah, and, and just looking at the standings, too, for the Metro, I'm sure it doesn't help with some of the teams <laughs> that are in the Metro. I mean, to have a, a winning record and be seventh out of eighth in the Metro doesn't help, even though when you look at their staying 19 points, it put them a little bit higher up in some other divisions as well, too. Does, does that eat at this team at all like that, or is it one of those things where you wait for Jack to get healthy and know that when you get, have young guys like a Dawson Mercer or a Nico Heashier, that, that those young talents are going to be able to carry this team a little bit further forward? 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely an understanding of where of just the sort of the cycle that the division is, and that was that was a big thing last year too. Was like they had all their COVID problems, and oh, oh yeah, also by the way, their their division was just you know a murderer's row of teams, and those were the only teams they were allowed to play. So they were like <laughs> very much looking forward to getting to playing some of the other teams around the league this year that were not those same you know teams that were sort of beating up on them. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, look for this year, it's right there's there's probably a pretty good chance that one of those teams is going to end up with like 90 or 91 points and end up 6th or 7th in the division and they're going to look at one of the other divisions and say oh man well that team had 87 points and they're in the playoffs that's not fair but um you know but, but mostly i think like you know that you can't obviously you can't the division is what it is but i i i, I do think they see somewhere on the horizon you know a a metro division that doesn't have Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin and all those and those guys sort of running the thing, and maybe it will be time for, you know, the Nico Heischer slash Jack Hughes slash Dawson Mercer led team to to rise up to the top. And Corey, looking at this roster, we've got to talk about Tatar, an off season addition with a two year nine million dollar contract. Obviously, there was much anticipation of his five-on-five ice numbers, which aren't necessarily highlighted thus far up into the season. But what do you make of his game with New Jersey up until this point? And in what scenario or situation do you kind of see his upside truly start to show through? Yeah, he's – I mean, they, they added three or four guys this offseason, and he's the one. Uh, I mean, Dougie Hamilton has been as advertised. Jonathan Bernier has been as advertised. I mean, they had you know like a rookie like Dawson Mercer who's been way way better than advertised, uh, but Tatar has been the one that isn't sort of isn't pulling his weight yet. Um, he's got two goals, but like you know one was like just sort of a lucky bounce off his shin, and the other one was an into an empty net. Um, I, I mean, I think he's you know like especially with Jack Hughes out, they needed they need more from him right now. Like I mean, basically in the next whatever it is eight or ten games that that Hughes might not play in um, would be a good time. To get him going because they he's the one guy on the team I think they had coming into the season it was like eight there were a total of eight 20 goal seasons on the on the roster like ever in the NHL and he had six of them so and he was the only one with more than one so he is he is basically the only proven NHL goal scorer on the roster and for him to only have two goals in 16 games and, and even more to that like you mentioned with the five on five thing he just hasn't been you know he played on this line in Montreal that was like one of the best even strength lines in, in hockey for two or three years. And he just hasn't, whether it's been, he just hasn't found the right line, line mates yet, or maybe it's just, maybe he will be that whenever Jack Hughes comes back. And they just, they haven't really found like the spot for him to really start clicking. Yeah, it's certainly a kind of curious situation there. Uh, again, from the athletic, Corey Massasak joining us on Plenty of Box Radio. Let's, let's go to the blue line here. And I know you had your mailbag talking about the defense core, uh, Dougie Hamilton, P.K. Subban, Ryan Graves. But I want to f- talk about P.K. Subban just because of the Nashville connection there as well. And, yeah. I mean, he moved on. What has the addition of him been like in terms of that veteran leadership and just his playing ability? How does he fit in with that blue line and him and Dougie Hamilton being there as well? Is this one of the best defensive cores New Jersey's had in a long time? Yeah, it, it's been a weird three years for for PK. Um, I mean, his first year was was definitely not good. Um, and, you know, it was probably even worse than than some of his worst uh, you know stretches in, in Nashville. Uh, he the offensive numbers picked up uh, last year, um, and now this year it's it's been interesting. I mean, he, I mean, on paper he's essentially the sixth defenseman on the team, but his pairing with with 
Jonas Siegenthaler, who came over from the Capitals, they've basically still been the second pairing. Um, two of the other guys were injured at the beginning of the year, so they started in the second pairing. And they've never really given up that spot just because the other two guys, Damon Severson and Ty Smith, have have had various levels of, of struggle. So he has been um, – he has had some very noticeably bad moments, and the, the fan base has necess- not necessarily enjoyed those. Um, but on a whole, his play has been much steadier and more consistent than it was the first year or year and a half that he was here. And also just sort of off the ice, he's – you know, it was it was kind of a weird transition for him his first year here. He wasn't just just didn't seem like he fit in all that well. He mentioned even like just the idea of like this was his first time being on a team that really wasn't winning or trying. You know, was was rebuilding and it just seemed like it threw him off a little bit. But he just has he's really sort of connected with a lot of the younger players on the team like Hughes and Smith and uh, Mercer and those guys. And he's just sort of you know he's kind of become like the older brother to some of those guys and. And he just, you know, he just, he's found, he's definitely found like a something here. That, I mean, he's not a nine million dollar defenseman. He's not going to be a nine million dollar defenseman. But if you just sort of leave that alone and just think of him as like a veteran mentor who's, you know, a solid, you know, four, five, six type guy, he's he's filling that role pretty well right now. And Corey, we'd be remiss if we had you on here this week and we did not discuss New Jersey's third jersey. I personally, <laughs> I absolutely appreciate a New Jersey jersey that says jersey. Um, obviously, social media, we know everybody's got their opinion these days. But I also know that this is an alternate journey that means something to the fan base that some other fan bases wouldn't understand. So what are your thoughts on the jersey itself and the significance to the fan base as a whole? Yeah, so... I think the, the the single biggest issue here is that they're just unlucky that the state is called New Jersey. Like I, I, I I've I've said this to a few people around here. Like I, I, I lived in North Carolina for a brief amount of time. And if you just like spend five minutes in that state, you run into people who are Tar Heels fans and they, they are from Carolina. Like they went to Carolina. They didn't go to the University of North Carolina. They went to Carolina. So if you buy into that whole thing that like people say that they're from Jersey, which I've actually seen some people on social media today say that that's actually not really a thing that some people in certain parts of New Jersey don't say they're from Jersey. Regardless, it, <laughs> like I, I do think that like New Jersey Devils fans are going to love buying hats and shirts and hoodies that say Jersey on them. I think I think they're really going to embrace that. The issue is that the other 31 fan bases are going to make the Jersey Jersey joke, and it's just not going to go away. So. Um, you know, I, I do think that there is some, like, I don't know if you want to call it a vibe or the identity of people in New Jersey who, like, I think they're going to be okay with the fact that other people outside of New Jersey don't like it. Like, they're they like they're sort of like a us against the world kind of mm-hmm. mentality anyway. Um, and so, yeah, there are some things like the fact that Marty Brodeur had a hand in designing it. It um, you know, it's got like 21 stripes on it because there's 21 counties in New Jersey, all these little like details that they tried to really push today. I, look, I don't know. I, I think the jerseys themselves are going to look fine on the ice. Like I think with the whole get up, like the jersey, the pants, the gloves, they're going to have like new helmets, all these different things. Like I think it looks fine on players. It's going to, you know, five games into them wearing them, people are going to stop even noticing or caring or whatever. Like like I said, I, I, I think the other the other parts of the merchandise product um, people are going to be very happy with. It's just it's going to be a long time before people stop making Jersey Jersey jokes. <laughs> and I'm glad the Devils' Twitter at least has you know got in on the meme. 
yes, yes, yes. They did the hat hat thing. And yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, Corey, we, we appreciate your insight, and thank you so much for coming on and joining us, and just look forward to following you along, uh, especially with the game coming on and for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, thanks for having me. Absolutely, folks. Corey Massasak of The Athletic, great coverage of the New Jersey Devils. And, yeah, just really appreciate him coming on, giving us that insight. Glenn, with great question about Tomas Tatar. That was, that was fantastic as well. Just really, you could tell you stoked a fire <laughs> for Corey to talk about that right there, too. Okay, up next we have a question or two that came through. And then also, what are we thankful for in hockey? I mean, tis the season. So let's discuss that up next. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared taking care of us behind the glass. And that, this, is, this is vibing. This is vibing. I could, this, this, yeah. this reminds me of the vibing cat. Yeah. The videos that are going still around. Vibing. We're still vibing here. Still vibing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, see, now I just want to listen to the music. I know. <laughs> We're getting in trouble. For we, 10 we minutes, should, let's just, we let's probably just vibe talk. out. We should probably talk. <laughs> All right, we we wanted to, especially with it being Thanksgiving week, but wanted to theme it a little bit, what we're thankful for. But first, we had a question. We had one question come in. <laughs> you can tell people are on vacation mode oh, yeah. already. Vacation mode already. It? And Danielle, I'm going to ask you what you're thankful for in hockey as well, so just be prepared because she's still hanging with us here in the studio. But this one comes from Brandney. Brandney. Yeah, Brandney. Yeah, I'm reading it right. Brandy or? Bradney. Bradney. No, Brandney. Okay. That's the Twitter hit, but it's hard to read because it's like capital letters, lowercase, capital letter, lowercase. Gotcha. So okay. Just, if I mess it up, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what is your favorite memory of covering the Preds? That is a very difficult question for me to answer because there's so many. There, there are so many different moments that have been fun, but I think the biggest one for me that'll probably live. Okay. For, there's two. I'll have to go with two. All-star game here working the red carpet, being able to interview Roman Yossi on the red carpet and interviewing multiple, like, loads of different NHL stars on the red carpet. It's like, oh, wow, I can do this? And just all the different, like, got to talk to Dylan Larkin, John Tavares. Uh, I mean, so many different people. It was, uh, let's see, Brandon Saad. I've just bought Nashville. and People you typically wouldn't just interview randomly. But the one that stands out the most, the NHL Awards, Pekka Rene, his Vezina year being able to work the red carpet and see the beaming smile on his face as he's coming down the red carpet. And then especially when he wins and he's coming to the podium after, after winning the Vezina top moment, because being one of the few people from Nashville that's able to be there to cover that as well was just fantastic and incredible to be there to witness history there as well for one of the, the best person in all of sports one of the best just personalities, the best people as well, one of the best humans that there is to win an award of a personal achievement was just awesome to be able to cover and to be there for that moment. And then that's when PK was also announced to be on the cover of, of, oh, yeah. of the oh, yeah. NHL game <laughs> as well, EA Sports NHL. So 
that was but that was a, that was a fantastic moment i know for the city of nashville but it was, i'm glad i was just able to be there and kind of soak all that in didn't even get to be in the the room I was in the media room the whole time but just waiting for the pecorini announcement that was that was awesome i love that this yeah. gets me all in my feels this whole episode <laughs> this the whole grateful we're supposed to, we're supposed to. pecorine we're all thankful for him. Well, let's let's go to some of the, the the responses here on asking what about sports or hockey are you thankful for? And Jack Woods has the friends we made along the way. Oh, that's so Jack. <laughs> I love it. This one is football and other f words. <laughs> uh, says I'm thankful that hockey <laughs> brought the Lexus Lounge into my life. Hey, that's a good one. The Lexus Lounge is great. That is a very that's good fantastic. one. Fantastic. This one comes from Cat. Oh boy. That it brought me some great people and friendships in my life, like you, and that Ben Harper has been enjoying games from the press box. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Savagery coming out oh, tonight. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. This one is from Alex. Um, thankful that we'll forever have this image. And the tweet is of Corey Perry with his head on the bench wall after losing to the Preds in the playoffs. And you know what's so great? Is that so many people, even without seeing that photo, know no. exactly what picture that they're talking exactly. about. That's fantastic. Exactly. This one comes from Boyd. Uh, thankful for those moments, goals, saves, hits, fights, etc. that make us come out of our seats or run around the living room. They bring us together and help us feel normal again. Mm. That was a good Absolutely. One. That yeah. is good, Boyd. I yeah. feel that one in my heart. Yeah, this one is not heartfelt. Well, actually, it might be heartfelt because it's from National House Cats. You never know what's going to we'll come see. out of this account. It could go one uh, of two ways. I'm thankful that multiple states are between me and John Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> poor John. Poor John. No, not poor I'm John. I'm kidding, I know. But Sp- poor speak- John. Speaking of, John Jensen is our reporter on the Milwaukee Admirals up in Wisconsin. And when our group, our penalty box radio group, went up for the Admirals and, and Blackhawks game, I didn't know that he was going to be in Milwaukee because he lives in Madison, which is not in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And the niceness of a Wisconsinite like John Jensen, he, he bought me some some beer, some spotted cow, and also some cheese curds. Aww. It was awesome. It was fun. It was That's fun so time. sweet. It was a fun He's time. good people. All right. Well, let's go to Danielle. Danielle, what in hockey or sports in general are you thankful for? Should I start with the sappy note? If you want. You start however you want to start. Well, I'm it's very – I'm very thankful for all of the relationships that I've made, obviously, through you guys and Tennessee hockey and just the friendships. I mean, look at Abigail, who is my absolute best friend in this world. I met her through you guys. Some of my best friends play for Tennessee hockey, work for Tennessee hockey. Just the family aspect. It's something I'll never forget and that I'll always be appreciative. The spicy sense of humor, though. Oh, boy. Let's talk about that one. I don't know what it is about being around just a hockey organization every day in my life. But my sense of humor went from nothing to 100, and I'm very thankful for that because my personality besides that, I'm pretty much a brick wall, but hey, at least I'm funny. Thank you, hockey. Hockey does have a great sense of humor. It does. I swear. It's the best thing ever. But I also weep for the future HR person's going to have to deal with that sense of humor, too. My poor kids one day. I'm so sorry. Like, I just shouldn't have kids at that point. Oh, gosh. Glenn, we'll go to you now. Um, Well, it's the people. A hundred percent. It's the people. Um, I swear I could write a book on the relationships that have catapulted me to better versions of myself, of the people that I met because of hockey. Um, And that spectrum ranges from people in the league to fellow fans. Sometimes I step back and I look at the last 10 years of my life and how everything unfolded the way that it did. 
And every single person who my world collided with because of it's unbelievable to me. And sometimes I just take a step back and I'm in awe of that. Um, And so for me, it is the people, the moments with those people. Um, It's incredible. I mean, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know Justin if it weren't for hockey. Like I literally went up to a stranger at the arena. Oh, Oh, boy. And that was how I met him. And so it's just so funny to me when you think about that one decision to do that and how everything has transpired since then. It's pretty incredible. What was the reason you came up to me again? I came up because (laughs) Justin was wearing a Cal O'Reilly jersey, and I was brand new to (laughs) the Predators, to hockey and everything. And I li- I liked his jersey. It was like a jersey off of Cal's back. It was. It was one of the few Cal O'Reilly jerseys as well. Yeah. This is like 2010, so I was 2011. Like, yeah. I was like, well, look at that. I was like, he has the jersey of – and so I was like – I went up to him and I asked him if I could have a picture, but not with him. I asked him to turn around so I could take a picture of the back of the jersey. Yep. And then it turned out we were actually already following each other on Twitter. Exactly. And so then I was like, oh, Okay. And then we became friends after that. And then she became a co-host with, with Ben. Yep. Yeah, there's that. So for me, uh, I only to echo everything you all said, but I'm thankful that we have a supportive crew here at 102.5 The Game that has given us a platform to be able to talk hockey, to be able to not just talk hockey, but talk about college hockey, talk about women's hockey, talk about junior hockey, high school hockey, that has given us an opportunity to talk about things that aren't talked about in every other show or every other hockey program out there to to be able to highlight other aspects of the sport and stories of the sport, whether we've we've covered mental mental health, uh, concussions, awareness with that, charity work, everything that we've been able to get have a platform that allows us to do that and to also allow us to have opinions and to talk about difficult topics and topics that have to be discussed. As we've talked about so many times before, to have really, really hard opinions on things that we believe are better for the sport better for the community and better overall for just humans in general and society in general that we've been given that platform to do that and we appreciate you i'm I'm thankful for our listeners for people that whether they're listening live or listening on a podcast that you are spending time out of your day to listen to our voices and our opinions even with you you agree with us or don't agree with us but you have given us that opportunity to to be in your head in your brain space and to take time away from your day uh just to listen to us and to have your support we appreciate that so much and we you know we've been with you since 2012 it's almost the the end of 2021 and we just appreciate all of you for this past decade of your support for giving us this medium to be able to talk to you about the sport that we love so cannot thank you all enough cannot thank our family and friends enough for the support so i wish you all a very very happy thanksgiving a safe thanksgiving enjoy it with your family and your loved ones uh eat well be safe and just be ready to enjoy the, the rest of the holiday season as we continue to talk hockey with you so for producer jared danielle denen our guest Corey misisak who joined us in the third segment and glenn blackwell this is justin bradford thank you so much for listening to penalty box radio here on espn 1025 the game